You know, Virginia used to be a state that was always, assuredly would always go the GOP way. But much has changed um, since the election of Barack Obama and Donald Trump. And so we're taking a look at races across the country and sitting down with very interesting candidates. And in our house today, um, Glenn Youngkin, who is a gubernatorial candidate for the state of Virginia, challenging or running against Terry McAuliffe, is our in-house guest for our exclusive. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. You know, we don't believe polls. Uh, we learned that from when former President Donald Trump ran for president. Um, uh, we don't always believe what the media prints because sometimes they have to do uh, many retractions. And if you were to believe the polls, uh, they would say that you're behind and that you like money and that your pathway to the gubernatorialship is a very difficult one. So the best person to ask is the candidate. What is your pathway to election? Yeah, so first of all, the polls actually most recently have us just about tied. Um, which is really exciting for uh, all of the voters in Virginia because I think early on people really felt that a Republican candidate couldn't win in Virginia. And now we actually do have polling that suggests that, yeah, a Republican candidate cannot just be uh, in a neck and neck race, but actually is accelerating. The first polls that came out, I was down two to four percent, and now I'm down between one and two percent, margin of error is three. So we're kind of neck and neck. And of course, the path to victory here is quite simply, to get more people to actually vote for me than vote for my opponent. And where we see that really playing out is all over the Commonwealth. Yes, in Northern Virginia, we expect to actually bring Northern Virginia much closer together um, because there's a lot of people in Northern Virginia that I think are excited about a different kind of candidate, a business person like me, as opposed to a 43-year politician like my opponent. Um, I grew up in Hampton Roads, Virginia for high school and I've got a really strong base there and it sure feels like and looks like we're winning in Hampton Roads. Um, I was born in Richmond uh, and Richmond is neck and neck and the rest of the Commonwealth is doing what, the nor what it does normally, which is generally support the Republican candidate with a great enthusiasm. And that's why the polls are so tight right now and that's why our campaign has so much enthusiasm behind it because all of a sudden, in a state that really has been 0-13 in the last 13 statewide elections since Bob McDonald won in 2009, all of a sudden it really looks like the Republican candidate not just can win, but actually might win. I mean, the Washington Post even said that I have a surprisingly good chance of winning this November, and uh, that's bringing people together all over Virginia. If you're elected governor of Virginia, would you mandate the vaccine? No, I wouldn't mandate the vaccine. I would strongly encourage everyone to get it. And in fact, I got the vaccine because I thought it was the right decision for my health and for those around me. And so I would encourage people to get the vaccine. There are people who are just gonna make the individual choice not to get it. But boy, if you have a pre-existing condition or at a high health risk, I strongly urge you to get the vaccine. But it's not something I would mandate as governor. Do you trust the science? I generally do trust science. I'm an engineer by training. And uh, I, do, I do trust data and science and facts. I think it's important to dig into them and understand them um, because people can spin them lots of ways in order to match their own argument. Um, but I have a good group of health counselors around me and medical experts around me, and we're spending a lot of time making sure we understand uh, not just the science, but the interpretation of the facts. And again, I would not mandate the vaccine, but I would strongly encourage everyone to get it. What would you say to business owners that want to mandate uh, that their patrons are vaccinated before going into their restaurant or other business establishments? Well, I think business owners are gonna have to make their own decisions. 
And some, some business owners may, in fact, want to have everyone vaccinated. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to check, but they may want to do that. Um, and that's up to the individual business owners, in my view. I think mandating uh, from Richmond on how businesses are going to conduct themselves are what got us in trouble to begin with. I felt like uh, our governor, uh, Governor Northam, over the course of the last year, unnecessarily kept businesses closed for a pro prolonged period of time. It's what's caused us to come out of the, the pandemic slower than other states that were run by Republican governors. And Virginians are actually seeing the, seeing the penalty for that. Um, the jobs have come back much slower and the economy has recovered slower. And so this is, I think, a decision as governor where businesses are gonna to have to make decisions that are right for that particular business. And I'm gonna, we'll trust people to make those decisions. Um, just like I said, I wouldn't mandate people to get the vaccine, but they're gonna to have to choose whether they wanna get it or not. Let's, let's, let's stay with businesses. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, before it recessed for the summer, um, spoke on the issue of the eviction moratorium and the role the CDC plays and that it overstepped its, its boundaries. Uh, and even in the latest iteration, the Biden administration is trying to put that, that, that back into place at least until October. And I'm sure it has something to do with the Supreme Court coming back at that time. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know people like to talk about the perspective of the renter, but these are many are small business owners, minorities, women, blacks, Latinos that own business that is really impacting their way of life. When you're not paying them, they go out because they believe having property, real estate is the American way, and yet they cannot afford to lose the payment per month because they don't have that kind of money stored away to meet their obligations. Yeah, I think that first, we have to get people back into jobs. And unfortunately, in Virginia, it has happened so much slower than it has in states, again, run by Republican governors, where we've seen job recovery and job take up come much faster. And in fact, Virginia is struggling right now because we have the lowest labor participation rate in the history of keeping the stat. That means fewer people are actually engaged in the workforce than we've ever seen since we've been keeping track. And so we have to first get people back into jobs. And I do think that when the, when the extra unemployment benefit ends in Virginia, because our governor chose to accept it, then we will see people move back into their jobs very rapidly, very rapidly, because the jobs are available. We just need people to take them. And once everybody gets back into these jobs, then the idea that we're gonna have government imposed restrictions on the, the arrangement between, between renters and apartment owners should go away. It needs to go away. And we actually have to let the market economy work the way it needs to work. People will get jobs. They'll be able to sustain themselves because there are a lot of really good jobs out there that people just haven't taken yet. And this is, what we, this is where we need to get to, is we need to get the government out of business and allow um, the, the supply demand between employees and employers and the prevailing wage rates that we see now that are attracting workers back into the workforce to all do its thing. And we can absolutely see Virginia moving a lot faster on a go forward basis if we would just get the government out of the middle of it. One of the big issues that not only uh, are Virginians, but the rest of this country is facing is critical race theory. And if you are elected governor, would you demand that critical race theory become part of the curriculum? No, I would do the opposite. I would demand that critical race theory is not part of the curriculum. And I think one of the things that we have sadly seen is that um, critical race theory, which, which is really a political agenda, um, has all of a sudden been pushed into the school systems as a way to talk about tough topics. And the tough topics we need to talk about 
How do we, in fact, reconcile around race? How, in fact, do we talk about the abhorrent history to Virginia and to our country and with, with certain just terrible periods? Uh, but critical race theory is, in fact, not about that. Critical race theory is, in fact, forcing students to see everything through the lens of race. And I think we need to do the exact opposite. We actually need to, as Dr. Martin Luther King uh, taught us, is to actually judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And so I think there's a whole different way here, which is to have a curriculum that is a real civics curriculum based on facts. I do think the 1776 Unite project is a really good project. Um, but we have to get critical race theory out of our school system and replace it with a real curriculum based on real truth, not running away from the truth, but actually allows us to come together as opposed to be divided. You know, um, sports is huge in your state of Virginia, and yet the National Football League um, and symbolism and gesture is what some would call it, have decided to also play the Negro National Anthem that was written by James Weldon Johnson a hundred years ago uh, as part of the opening season at every game. What are your thoughts on what the NFL is doing and sports throwing itself right into midst of politics, not only losing fans and losing some viewers, many people feel it's unpatriotic. Yeah, I, I believe that, first of all, these, these sports uh, organizations make a lot of decisions like businesses and they're gonna have to live with the consequences. And I don't think that, that uh, politics should be injected into our, our sports, into our national pastimes, into, into watching our favorite teams actually compete. Uh, and in fact, what we've ended up doing is politicizing something that has actually been the exact opposite. It's been a way for people to actually come together and, and compete um, in a healthy way. And I'd like for us to get back to that, I really would. Um, I was disappointed with what happened in, uh, with, with regards in Atlanta, um, where we actually saw Georgia and Atlanta penalized by decisions that were made, and I, I wish they hadn't made those decisions. Um, but you know, the reality is fans are gonna have, to, gonna have to express their views. And I do hope that uh, everybody recognizes that with all customer relationships, the fans are gonna express their views. Um, but I do wish that sports could get back to being about sports and being about uh, the national pastime and being about comp good, healthy competition as opposed to constantly feeling like we have to make political statements. What is it would you implement? What is it that you would embrace in terms of voting to make sure that every vote counts, that the circumstances are there for them to count, and that Americans will, again, have faith and confidence in the election system in this country? Yeah, well, if I could start, this is not a Republican issue. And by the way, it's not a Democrat issue, it's a democracy issue, in that people have lost faith in the election process. And I just wanna remind, remind you that my opponent actually stood up in uh, 2004 and reiterated his statement that the 2000 election was stolen, was stolen from Al Gore. And he's never recognized George W. Bush as the legitimately elected president. And so this is, again, not just a Republican issue, People on both sides of this issue have actually staked out positions like that. So therefore, in order for us to reestablish faith in our election process, we've got to invest in it, just like any process. And we saw what happened in Florida after that hanging chad incident. The state of Florida invested in their election process. And guess what? The first state to, in fact, report its results fully 
on election night this past November with no questions asked was Florida. So Virginia should do the exact same thing. And that's what I believe we have to do. We actually have to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And when we do this, we in fact will require a, a photo ID to vote in an election. Um, we want everyone to vote who is legally able to vote and should vote. But we're going to make sure that we actually invest in the process to reestablish faith in the process so that the next time we have an election after I'm governor, we'll be the first ones to report our, our results and people will not ask questions. Obviously, former President Donald Trump looms large in the party. There are those who say you are an apologist for Trump. Um, you want recognize that Joe Biden is the legitimate president. You know, people say all kinds of things, but the best person to ask is ask the candidate. Yeah. And that's why we're asking you. Um, where do you separate yourself from the former president and where do you embrace him? In terms of, there's a lot of good that he did for this country and the economy, no one can deny that. Yeah, well, let me just start with the fact that I actually have said that Joe Biden was legitimately elected the president of the United States. It's just my opponent doesn't want to recognize that I've said that. And it is amazing when you have an opponent who regardless of what the truth is, just says what he wants to say all the time. And I've frequently said that my opponent doesn't allow the truth to stand in the way of anything that he says. Um, with regards to President Trump, there, there are many, many things about President Trump that I respected, many of his policies that I respected. I don't know where he stands on Virginia-specific policies. And, and uh, how do we get broadband into Southwest Virginia? And how do we connect our port better? And, and what do we do in order to get Virginia's economy moving? I do believe we need to actually lower our cost of living in Virginia. One of our big challenges in Virginia has been the fact that during the McAuliffe-Northam regime, Virginia's economy has grown substantially slower than our peer states. And in fact, during Terry McAuliffe's uh, tenure as governor, it was 50% slower than our peer states, the states around us. And the job market actually grew 50% slower in Virginia. Had Virginia jobs grown as fast as North Carolina, we should have created twice as many jobs in Virginia than when Terry McAuliffe was governor. And the result of that is Virginians are moving away. And in fact, we've seen Virginians move away to our peer states, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, faster than they're moving to Virginia. Why? Well, they have better job opportunities, they have a faster growing economy, they have a lower cost of living, and they're moving, they're voting with their feet. And so I think that we have to compete. And we have a basic, basic view, and I have a view that Virginia's economy should come first. Virginia's businesses should come first. And we should focus on growing Virginia businesses and attracting Virginia businesses. And yes, recognizing our cost of living has to come down because we want to keep people in Virginia as opposed to having them move away. And this is all about competing. And if your economy is not competing heads up with those right around you, then businesses and Virginians will vote with their feet. And how in the world are we going to convince companies to come to Virginia and people to come to Virginia? when we're having trouble keeping the people that are already here to stay here. I mean, one of the saddest realities is that there will be 21,000 people who retire from, the mil from active duty in the military this year with their final posting being in Virginia. And those 21,000 people will move and go someplace else to start the next chapter of their life. 10,000 will stay here. But we're one of the few states of this size of a military establishment, and one out of, you know, literally uh, one out of 11 or one out of 12 Virginians is in fact a veteran. But we're one of the few states that sees this population moving away. We're a net loser in this, in Texas and Florida and South Carolina and Tennessee and 
North Carolina, they're net gainers in this. Well, we actually want those folks to stay here. And so at the net of all of this is a recognition that Virginia is a, it's a very good state, but it should be so much better. And it can be so much better because the policies that my opponent actually put in, put in place while he was governor and, and, and the current governor has followed suit have actually taken Virginia's competitiveness down and we're not growing as fast as our peer states, we're not creating as many jobs and we're watching people leave. And I'm gonna go fix that when I'm governor. How do you get people to trust government again? How do you get people to trust each other again? How do you get them away from saying themselves, well, I'm black here, I'm Latino here, I'm Jewish here, I'm a woman here. How do we become Americans again? I think as, as a governor and serving all Virginians, all Virginians will be my job, we have to focus on the things that are most important to Virginians. And right now, the things that are most important to Virginians are how are we gonna come out of this pandemic and get our economy and job machine turned back on? I hear it everywhere. How are we gonna reestablish the safest communities? Because right now we're at a 20 year high in murder rate in Virginia. And oh, by the way, how are we gonna restore a standard of excellence in our schools? Because Virginians are really concerned that our schools aren't serving our kids and preparing them to compete against not just foreign countries, but compete against kids educated in other states that have been open five days a week and have actually maintained standards to teach accelerated math and to try to get the best out of all the kids. And so I think we focus on the most important things and it will serve all Virginians well. That'll bring people together. When we in fact build a rip-roaring economy and get our job machine turned back on, when we reestablish Virginia as having the safest communities, as opposed to the kinds of leadership that my opponent uh, actually demonstrated where the murder rate went up 43% while he was governor. And then our schools have to actually be brought back up in their effective, effectiveness to teach our kids. I mean, today we have this tragic reality, which is over 80% of black children in Virginia in eighth grade actually can't pass a math competency test. And over 70% of Latino kids and 45% of white kids, and there's a big gap there. And collectively, those numbers are terrible. And so we have to go to work in our schools. And that's why when I had a, uh, last week, I stood up in front of everyone and said, this, this surplus that we've created in Virginia by overtaxing Virginians the last year, that's what the Democrats did this past year. They created um, a $1.5 billion usable surplus after funding our rainy day fund. And we have $4.3 billion of money from the ARPA uh, bill. And how are we gonna use this money? Well, we have to use this money to invest in all Virginians. I think step number one is we actually owe Virginians a tax rebate. They were overtaxed last year. How do you create that kind of surplus in the middle of a pandemic? And the Democrats actually taxed the PPP loans. They raised the gas tax. I mean, we were raising taxes in the midst of a pandemic. Well, guess what? We ended up with a lot more money in Virginia than we needed. We should give it back. But then we should take the ARPA funds and we should invest in getting this economy moving. We should invest in our schools and we should invest in law enforcement and our failing mental health system. And that will go to work for all Virginians and actually allow all Virginians to come together around Virginia actually being the best place in America to live and work and raise a family, as opposed to people being pitted against each other. Your final thoughts. Well, first, thank you for having me. And I find myself uh, right now with the 44 days left until this election starts, 90 days until November 2nd when a winner is declared. And Virginians have a decision to make. 
Do they want, do they want the same old recycled kind of politician who's going to do things in political ways and pit people against one another? Or are they ready for something fresh and new and different? And I think they're ready for something fresh and new and different. And, and that's the skill set I bring to this. I'm a homegrown Virginian, and I can't wait to go work for all Virginians to make sure that we have the best jobs, the best schools, the safest communities, and we actually deliver results for Virginians. And that's where I feel so called into this to go work for all Virginians uh, and serve as the 74th governor of Virginia. Thank you for listening to this week's episode 